From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Some 800,000 Georgians claim Irish heritage. The first shipload of emigres from Ireland docked on the coast of what became the colony of Georgia in 1734. Waves of immigrants followed, thousands escaping the potato famine of 1845 to 1849, when nearly a million Irish nationals died. The film Black 47 examines the horrors of the famine and the resilience of the Irish people as a fast-paced action drama. Shane Stevens, Consul General of the Irish Consulate, will be at GBB in Atlanta on Wednesday for a screening of the film. But he's here with us now to talk about the film and the strong bond between Ireland and the state of Georgia. Shane, welcome. Thank you very much. So the potato famine, a massively consequential event, certainly for the Irish people, but also geopolitically some 170 years ago. Why is there a conversation about it in 2020? Well, um, it was almost too painful for us to address the famine directly um, in the modern era until now. I mean, it's um, it, it, as you say, it, uh, the memory of the famine is, is seared onto the Irish personality. And um, it's been a big factor in making Irish people what they are. And I think it's, it's a very interesting story for, for Georgia because, um, you know, Probably most of those 800,000 people who you've mentioned who are Irish-American here in Georgia wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the famine. Mm. I mean, the, the, and again, the, the nature of Irish-American people has been marked by, that, um, by the memory of the famine. There has never been a famine in a democracy. And economists and historians will tell you that famines are political. What does the historic record say about the causes of the famine? Yes, I mean, the Irish, um, most Irish people, especially those who were poor and living in the uh, west of Ireland, were dependent on the potato as their, as their, not only as their main source of food, but as their main source of income. Those people who were, who, you know, peasant people in the west were growing potatoes and they sold those potatoes for money as well. So when the crop suddenly failed, they were left with no means of getting food. And this was an era of laissez-faire economics, where the principle was you shouldn't in- intervene um, in these kind of crises. And so the, the, the result was horrific. Um, you know, we saw one million people die in the immediate famine period. We saw one million people leave. Uh, you know, and about um, one quarter of the Irish population um, was, was lost in, in, in that era. So we went from having 8.5 million people to down to about half that over over ten years, and our population still hasn't recovered. Um, you know, and again, I think I think you're right. I think there was um, a factor. We were a, a colonized people, um, and that that was a factor as well. I believe in the way in which the uh, British authorities responded, as well as as that laissez-faire economics of the time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Irish people, uh, both in Ireland and in the United States, were, were left. In the in the uh, decades afterwards, with a sense of grievance, and I think that did feed into um, Ireland's journey towards independence, and it also has left, I think, um, Irish Americans with a particularly strong uh, feeling for their their homeland. They had that sense of grievance, but they also were left with a, a, a passionate love for Ireland, and I think that's a, a big part of the legacy of the uh, of the family, which, of course, was a, an absolutely horrific and traumatic event at the time. But decades later, it, it, you know, it, and, and centuries and all these years later, it has had some positive consequences. 
Well, the film Black 47, this came out in 2018. I think first film really dealing with the Irish famine as a feature grossed more than a million dollars in Ireland following its release in 2018. Now the highest grossing film in that country. Here's just a clip. We've received reports of a deadly attack on a constabulary station in Connemara. What do you want? One of our Connacht Rangers. I understand that he is an effective soldier. Wow, sounds juicy. What's going on there? Well, um, in so many ways, Ireland is influenced by America and as America is influenced by Ireland. And this uh, film draws on the, the, kind of the, the revenge Western uh, model, a bit like Django Unchained as mm-hmm. well. So it's, it is, a, it is an, an explicitly uh, violent and exciting movie, but also one that is, is set uh, in, against the backdrop of this uh, profoundly fascinating and terrible historic event. And the, the cast is incredible. You know, it's an international cast. We have one of the, the, the UK's best actors, Jim Broadbent, is there. We have... Um, Stephen Ray. Stephen Ray, one of the world's greatest People actors, I would say. People may know him from The Crying Game. He was very famous for that. I think he's hardly ever been in anything that wasn't exceptionally good. And we're, we, in fact, are going to have uh, with us here on Wednesday um, James uh, Freshville, who is the, the star of the film, who's actually Australian, but who, who becomes perhaps the most Irish man in the world in, in this uh, film. He actually had to learn Irish and learn to ride a horse uh, for the part, and he does both uh, beautifully. <laughs> yeah, I I saw a little clip of uh, him on the you know the publicity trail, and he said, "Well, I think I have enough freckles to qualify <laughs> as Irish." But you know, speaking Irish, that many people who emigrated here were from the west of Ireland and spoke Irish, not English as their first language. So that was one of the things that made it difficult for settlers here in the U.S. at first. You have spoken previously about Ireland's special empathy for those struggling across the world. How does that Irish experience of the famine play into that? Yes, uh, the, uh, this, is, this is kind of the positive side of it. I think um, uh, though Ireland is today um, ranked as being the third uh, most uh, developed country in the world, that's according to the UN Human Development Index, we have a very strong historical memory of being poor, of being colonized, of being um, almost a failed state. And um, that stays with us um, genuinely. I mean, you, you, if you, Irish people are found um, working as humanitarian, um, uh, humanitarians all around the world in international development organizations. Irish people traditionally give a, a lot of money uh, for uh, humanitarian disasters. Our state has for, for decades had Irish aid which is a taxpayer-funded um, um, body which supports development all around the world and support and helps people who who face sudden crises and famines. And again, um, you know, we we ourselves, uh, though we're um, you know a European uh, country, were, were 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 hit by famine, and so we 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 feel feel it in a special way when we see um, nations in Africa suffering in 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 the same way as we did uh, today. And I think. Um, this strong sense of empathy um, with those facing facing real challenges is, is something that is uh, really is, is a big um, point of focus for our government, and it's one of the main reasons why today Ireland is campaigning uh, for a seat on the UN Security Council. In fact, that vote is due to come up in in June, uh, and we were trying to get on the council for the period 2021 2022, and uh, you know we want to do that because I think um, we feel that our um, we really have a, a genuine uh, understanding 
of the uh, of the people and nations around the world who are facing the you know those terrible challenges of, of famine of uh, colonization of, of of violence we have an understanding of those uh, circumstances and therefore, I think we're going to be able to represent such countries um, at the UN Security Council effectively. Right. In fact, the campaign, the official campaign brochure it states that Ireland is a bridge builder who listens to all sides. So we will see what will come of that campaign. We're speaking with Shane Stevens. He's Consul General of the Irish Consulate here in Atlanta. We're, we're discussing a screening this coming Wednesday of Black 47. It's a film depicting resistance to British rule among the Irish in 1847. This is at the height of the potato famine. Well, you mentioned that it is a kind of revenge film, you know, like uh, Gladiator, Mad Max, or Django Unchained. Is it based on truth? Is this character who peeled off from the British Army uh, to seek revenge? Well, I think it's uh, it's true in very many ways. The specific story is not uh, not one I think which is uh, it, we're exactly replicating in the film, but um, it shows the full complexities of this era. We were um, part of the British Empire at this time. the The main character in in the film, Feeney, was a British soldier who had fought in in Afghanistan as part of the Connacht Rangers. The, the skill set that he brought to bear in, in his revenge activities was one that he had developed as a, as a British soldier. He was, he was said to be one of the best British soldiers um, of his day. Um, and again, um, you know, in, in this era, I mean, you, you mentioned that we were, you know, we were resisting British rule at the time, but it was more, we weren't quite at that stage yet really in our national journey. Uh, you know, in, during the period of the famine, we developed this sense of grievance for how, how we, in the, for the misrule that was that was seen in the famine period. But we were still actually part of the uh, the British system uh, back then. I mean, again, in the film, you see the com- the complexities. You see people who, at a time of crisis, um, show the best sides of their personalities. And you see others who take advantage of the suffering and, and weakness around them. So it's a very human and, and realistic story from my perspective. So once here in the U.S., those many of those who left became Irish diggers or ditchers. They dug canals in Augusta earlier in, in the early 1800s, built the railroads. And by mid-18th century, 19th century, rather, one in three white households in Savannah were not just of Irish descent, but Irish-born. Many, as we mentioned, uh, from counties of Western Ireland. How were they treated here in the U.S.? I think um, there was at times in the U.S. some um, resistance to such a large number of people coming over in such a short period of time when they were so poor and desperate. So there was, I think, at times, um, perhaps more so in the in the north of the United States, some slight resistance to them. And I think along with that sense of grievance that they had, those um, factors helped solidify the Irish community as a particularly um, strongly um, coherent group, a group that strongly self-identified and maintained its identity as a separate community within the United States for many decades. I, but I think in, in Savannah the welcome was exceptionally warm. And um, Savannah was one of those cities in, in the United States where, like Boston or New York, where Irish people came in real numbers and where they formed a particularly uh, strong Irish community in the city. I think it's it's wonderful that uh, just last September, one of Ireland's main uh, fam- famine exhibitions, the, the Dumbrody 
uh, famine ship and emigrant experience has profiled Savannah as the wonderful uh, U.S. destination that ultimately welcomed in the uh, poor, starving Irish people who were fleeing the famine. Mm -hmm. So the Irish, um, the the authorities in Wexford and the uh, visit um, Savannah have uh, joined forces, in fact, with some academics from Georgia Southern University to put in uh, an exhibition and panels that fully explain the kind of wonderful welcome that Savannah provided for Irish people at that time of greatest need for us. In a time when when our culture is rethinking how it uses and thinks of stereotypes, which Irish stereotypes would you just as soon do away with? <laughs> well, uh, some of those stereotypes are, are, are true. We are, you know, a fun a fun loving uh, people. We do love we love sports and, and and music and and again, a lot of us have very large families, and that's not not necessarily a bad thing. But um, I suppose sometimes there has been, you know, we the, the direct association with, between excessive drinking and, um, and and Ireland is negative and overdone. I suppose I don't like to see that. On the other hand, of course, we like to keep the sales of uh, Guinness and uh, Jameson and all the other wonderful uh, Irish uh, drinks products up as much as possible. And we're, uh, um, and we're always on, on the lookout for any possible uh, further tariffs on those products coming into the U.S., what have you found are similarities, given so many people from Georgia are of Irish descent, Georgia and Ireland, like, you know, this union between Wexford and Savannah? What, what are some of the similarities of the Irish people well, and the, Georgians? Well, the Irish people and the Georgians, um, we, we, you know, have not always been wealthy. We have, we have strong um, backgrounds as um, rural people, people of the land. I'm um, Commissioner Gary Black, and the, the, the governor always remind me about that. And um, again, we've gone on amazing journeys. I mean, we've uh, developed so dramatically um, over recent years. I mean, here, um, the Transaction Alley in, in Atlanta is, is, a, is a wonderful achievement. It's one of the main, you know, fintech uh, hubs in the world. And Irish companies are in a place that, so they can take, a, take advantage of that. And we've had six Irish fintech companies setting up here in, in Atlanta in the last three years and creating real employment and they're getting involved in a technology transfer into this area. So again, we, have, we both have that rural uh, character based around our history, but we're adaptable. Um, we're able to turn our, uh, our hand to, the, uh, to what industry requires these days. There, I'm sure there may be some of our listeners may not even be aware that there is an Irish consulate located here in Atlanta. What is it like for you being a consul general in a foreign country representing your homeland from so far away? Well, I'm, I'm pretty uh, fortunate really to uh, represent Ireland. I'm very proud of, of, our, of our record and internationally. I'm, I'm pretty proud in general of the policies we implement at home. And again, um, Particularly here in in America, our, you know, an Irish diplomat receives a consistently warm welcome. I mean, um, you know, there are places in Asia where they still wonder where whether I'm representing Ireland or Iceland. But here in the States, uh, people know all about Ireland. And in general, they have very warm feelings towards us. And again, you know, that bond is, is pretty dr- dramatically evident. You know, um, our uh, our politics are so close. We had, um, you know, President Trump was in Ireland last year. We had uh, Vice President Pence in Ireland last year. We had the, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, there last year, all, all on major political visits. You know, Ireland's largest investor in the United States, uh, CRH Americas, is based right here in Atlanta, and they employ 
45,000 people in North America. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be proud of in the relationship. And again, that, uh, so it, it's great to be a representative of, of those such good things. Well, we know uh, Savannah did become the second largest point of entry for Irish emigres to the U.S. Now, of course, the annual Irish parade on March 17th on St. Patrick's Day, huge, second in the nation. What is it that keeps participants coming back, do you think, Shane Stevens? Well, I think it's the um, the scale is is awesome, but I think it's the authenticity uh, of the passion of the families that run that parade. I mean, people have been doing that for generations, and you, I, I, you know, I've got to really know and, and really uh, admire the people who run that parade. When they talk about you know pride and family and tradition and and indeed their 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 faith, they really mean that, and um, that comes out very wonderfully. And again, it's um, it's also a, it's also a, where it's where it's um, it's an, a very much an Irish parade. They also celebrate all of Savannah's traditions. I mean, some of the very best uh, local bands I saw were from you know African American colleges there, and um, you know we have an Irish minister uh, over for the parade every year so far that I've been here, which again shows the uh, special value that the Irish government puts on its relationship with our diaspora here in the United States. All right, we're going to leave you with a song from a band performing at Savannah's upcoming Savannah Irish Festival, Wolf and Clover from Columbus, Georgia. This is She Beg, She More. And we're thanking you so much, Shane Stevens, for joining us. You can come and join us at GPB in Atlanta for a showing of Black 47. It's free, but you just have to register. Details at gpbnews.org. That's all we've got today. Thanks so much for listening.